Good afternoon. It's Friday, the 5th of August, 2022, just after one o'clock. Welcome to UK Column News. Your host today, myself, Brian Gerrish. Delighted to be joined by David Scott, who's in the Plymouth studio with me. Good to see you, David. It's lovely to be here, and I find sunny Plymouth theatres too. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, we're delighted to be joined today by Alex Thompson, uh, bringing us East, Eastern approaches from the Netherlands. And we've also got Mark Anderson, uh, on live link from the United States. Well, we're just a little bit of a summary of what we're going to cover today. We've got uh, a theme which is geopolitical control. We're going to be having a little look at migration, arrests by the police in UK or attempted arrests. Uh, we've got applied political psychology, better known as mind control, drag queens, monkeypox, and uh, serious subjects of uh, SRA satanic ritual abuse and uh, David you're also going to be looking at the dangers of depression and Prozac. Antidepressants, yeah. Antidepressants. Uh, right well let's get straight into it and uh, David you've chosen to focus in on this extraordinary um, event at which the Admiral of the Fleet was summoned by a young lady. Well we're keeping an eye on this this new organisation called the Council on Geostrategy and they're, they're doing awfully well. It's a, it's a geopolitical think tank. They're based in the heart of London. And uh, they have uh, none other than the first sea lord uh, giving a talk on the geopolitical realignment in the maritime century. And it's all very good because the thing that's slightly surprising is this uh, particular organisation. They're very, very new. They've just popped out of nowhere. Uh, here we see the uh, company's house. Um, information on them and you see they were incorporated on the 13th of January 2021. Uh, they're run by two people. Uh, you see the, the names here. Uh, I'll get Alex to pronounce Victoria's full name properly later on. And um, this, this small organisation, only founded just a short while ago, is already holding, the, uh, holding um, presentations by the first sea lord. I think this is a remarkable success story and one that uh, uh, gets my interest. Uh, we should get, find out a little bit more about the uh, about the people involved. Here we see the lovely Victoria. Uh, Alex, would you like to pronounce her second name for me properly? Victoria Starich Samoliene, which means that she's an ethnic Russian born just after Lithuania gained independence, who's married a Lithuanian. Well, that's that's more information. This, this is this is the joy of having having Alex Thompson on the news. And you see here, uh, she studied at Vilnius University, uh, and then she came in, in, uh, to King's College in London. And also, uh, she had a role at the Henry Jackson Society, as did the, the gentleman who runs this organisation with her. And that takes us, of course, to the Henry Jackson Society. And we've got here their objectives, which are very interesting. Uh, they believe that a modern liberal uh, democracies set an example which the rest of the world should follow. Uh, they support a forward strategy um, to assist those countries that are yet, not yet liberal and democratic to become so. Uh, they believe in a strong military. Um, they support the military, uni uh, the military development of Europe. Uh, and the, the item six here, they believe that only liberal democratic states are truly legitimate. So, uh, Alex, do you have anything to add on uh, our friends at the Henry Jackson Society? They started as a boozing club at Cambridge in the mid-90s, and uh, my roommate was tight with them at the time until he came to his senses. They were known as the Dizzies. Um, the, first of all, the Disraelian Drinking Society in the HJS was an excrescence of that, uh, which, as the name suggests, was making overtures to the, the Beltway types, the, the particular um, niche of... Uh, conservatives who, who belong in that stable of Senator Henry Jackson, whose, whose main selling point was tub thumping against the Soviets. Um, Alan Mendoza uh, was the key guy and still is, and they, they are very good. And there was a famous clip, in fact, I think we played of them using Alan Mendoza to savage anyone who had any, any good words to say about Russia. He was, he was quite eyebrow raising. And if I'm not mistaken, Suela Fernandez, that was her maiden name at the time, uh, who's since become the Attorney General for England and Wales, the government's top law officer. Uh, she now has a different married name, but she was, I think, fairly close to them, if not a member at the time. So I had some truck with them at the time, and in the end it became clear that they were you know, an excuse for bringing a particular kind of American neoconism into Westminster. 
And, and the reason that we are following them is that several times we've found that they are making the news, they are making pronouncements and policy announcements before anybody else. It's very remarkable and clearly there's a lot of influence. Yes, well, I'm, I'm going to respond to that. So they summarise this. We, we've got a team of two that can suddenly pull in uh, uh, the Admiral of the Fleet in order to give a talk on their behalf. If the UK column contacted this gentleman, would we get him? I think the answer is no. But if you're Henry Jackson Society, uh, supported by them, then that's the power base. And uh, Mark, this leads us in nicely to, to you because uh, you've been writing, as always, in the American Free Press. But uh, very interested in this article here that you've uh, just published, Documentary Exposes Border Disaster. Dedicated American patriots continue to battle the crisis along the southern border. Now, we do have a little film clip to go with this, but tell us about uh, this article and what you're homing in on. What we have here is direct contacts at the border, such as Gina Rodriguez and Wyatt Watson, who are in the trenches. And this is direct firsthand information to me and UK column, et cetera. Um, they created a documentary called Intentional Invasion. And it's very easy to watch. You go to intentionalinvasion.com. And what they have found is bipartisan betrayal. Uh, Fox News and others like uh, uh, Newsmax will try to make the Republicans look like they're relatively unscathed <clears throat> in terms of the border situation, and that it's mostly a damn Dems, those Democrats. But it's bipartisan betrayal, as they're clearly showing in this all-important video, this all-important documentary, one of the best I've seen in all my years of journalism, the professionalism of the of the documentary is at a very high level, and the content is quite unsettling. But not just the number of people, but the nature of the invasion. And one of the main takeaways is that it's a criminal infiltration by cartels and traffickers throughout the United States. And the creators of the documentary are saying, therefore, every state is a border state. No one can safely assume that if they don't live in a border state, that they're going to, you know, come out unscathed on this. That's the takeaway. And if you want to show a clip, I can comment a little bit after that, too. OK, let's let's have a look at intentional invasion. These people, the drugs, the illegal aliens, the exploitation of children and the modern day slavery that the border crisis promotes, it's coming right here to our neighborhoods. This is not an influx of innocent women and children seeking asylum. This is an effort by transnational criminal organizations to invade the U.S. and leverage weak district attorneys nationwide in a wave of crime to spur chaos and expedite the collapse of the United States. Two issues are at the top of the list of concerns that many Americans share, inflation and crime. Whether you vote or not, whether you pay attention to politics or not, you notice that prices have increased across the board. You know that you spend more than ever, and this is intentional. Both national and international organizations want this to happen. You know that horrific crime seems to be not just in the big cities and urban areas, but it's everywhere. We see video of toddlers casting disdain on police officers. We hear of younger and younger people committing acts of violence and theft in small towns with no regard for life or property. We make a grave mistake if we see this as just a border problem. This is your problem right where you live. Yeah, you picked out a perfect clip there and a really, really important point, and granted, this is a little bit of conjecture, you'll notice it showed that cell phone there. What's going on is the cartels and other traffickers are enlisting teens in Texas and other states, and they share information with them via various, various social media and phone apps, and that includes being able to give them money uh, electronically. And does that not raise the question, as this documentary also implies, but I'm extrapolating, does it not raise the question about the Uvalde school shooting, Uvalde being about 80 miles from the border, might not the accused shooter 
have been one of those enlisted teens who had a cell phone, who had an app, who received the money, who bought the firearms. I'm just saying it's entirely possible and plausible, conceivable, although it's conjecture, a very important thing to keep in mind. And uh, Wyatt Watson, who watches the border for a private company to protect ranch lands on the border, he says this, we're about to lose this country. I'm being, beginning to believe perhaps that it can't be stopped, but maybe it has to happen. We think the documentary will be taken very well. Never again will I put my trust in a D or an R, Democrat, Republican. If he or she can't be an honorable, honorable person with integrity, then we must reject them. We've often traded integrity for money in this country. They really don't want people hearing about this right now, right before an election. Uh, so Wyatt is very emphatic about how our leaders or so-called leaders need to put down their lattes, get out of their cubicles and really do something here. Okay, Mark, thank you very much for that. Well, it is a very emotive uh, clip, but there's a lot of information and it's showing the scale of the problem in America. What I was fascinated, you'd sent that clip over to us this morning. I had only a few hours before been looking at uh, Nigel Farage sitting in the back of his car uh, talking about immigration from a, a, a position that we're here in UK. In UK. So let's uh, have a look at this clip and see what uh, Mr Farage has to say. So 696 crossed the English Channel on Monday. There was the bust of the big gang, which did slow things down a bit in July, but we're now back to where we were before. And what's clear is it's the Albanian gangs now in charge of the Channel crossings. Deeply unpleasant and very, very dangerous people. And utterly brazen, utterly brazen. In the past, we have seen one or two advertisements on social media for people to cross the English Channel. We kind of thought the whole thing had been clamped down upon. Well, I tell you what, this video produced by Albanian traffickers, just watch it from start to finish. It's mind blowing. So there you've got it. You've got the date, 27th of July, they were advertising. You've got the price and all the images have come to London. Isn't it wonderful? Well, unbelievably, a couple of days after that, they've now got, can you believe it, a summer sale. Yes, have a look at this. It's only three and a half grand now to come to England. I guess if you're stuck in a very long customs queue in Calais and you desperately need to get home, there is at least a way you could do it. More seriously, how is this allowed? How is it that an ordinary GB News viewer can just go onto TikTok, find this information, easily find this information? How is it that Border Force, the Home Office, the police, how is it they can't find this? Because I tell you what, if any of you make a comment on any of the social media platforms that people don't approve of, you'll be suspended or perhaps even banned permanently. And we've got a thousand police in the Metropolitan Police monitoring what they call hate speech, which means actually in most cases having an opinion. So how is it that criminal gangs can use TikTok and not get stopped? That is really worrying. Well, I'll just come in there and say I'm not a huge fan of Nigel Farage for a number of reasons, um, but he's clearly puzzled, isn't he? He's asking the question, how is it? How is it possible that these people are coming in? Uh, why, effectively, why doesn't somebody do something about it? If he was doing something about it, he'd be on the case with all of the MPs. But the key bit is that this is policy being driven behind the scenes. And let's come back to the UK column report from, I think it was July 2016, if we can pop that up on screen, because here's what we were talking about, using the human suffering of migrants to further the geopolitical objectives of politicians. And central to this uh, image on screen, we've got the UN Special Representative for Migration, as was, uh, uh, he died a few years ago, but it's Peter Sutherland, and in 2012, he was quoted as saying the EU should be doing its best to encourage mass migration to undermine the homogeneity of European countries. Mark, just back to you very briefly. To me, there's no question that if we're seeing this agenda unfolding in, in the US, we're seeing it happen in UK and indeed other European countries, 
this is a policy which is being directed beyond national politics. This is geopolitical agenda, which is creating this crisis. Yeah, I'm going to share this with the creators of intentional invasion because this bears out what we all know to be true, that behind the scenes, this is not just an accident. It's not just some inadvertent, random moving of people from one place to another. They're being enticed. They're being trafficked. It's a business. It's a criminal racket. And at the top sits pe people like the late Peter Sutherland, who I had sort of the unfortunate fortune of meeting in 2014 at a trilateral meeting and debating him on some trade deals. And he's really quite weak in his arguments. Uh, when these people come, uh, come into a situation where they're not protected by the media or their colleagues, they really don't have a good argument about anything. And um, so I, I'm glad that you have this you know, confirmation of what we've long known to be true. Okay, thank you very much. Now let's... Um... Uh, bring Alex Thompson in, because, of course, Alex, you, you're looking at uh, powerful financial interests and how they're affecting uh, worldwide policy. Uh, BlackRock is the target here. Are, oh. are you... Pardon me, I was muted. We cannot recapitulate the whole debate in limited time uh, about who is pro and contra the move towards central bank digital currencies, but clearly there is for very short, we will say, uh, a debate between the Wall Street-led banks who stand to lose out so much and the central bankers and the hedge funds who own them. And this is the latest manifestation of that. It's also showing that the drumbeat of secession is uh, growing ever louder in the United States and several other major Western countries. Uh, so let's put that on screen. Uh, on behalf of several states, 19 in fact, two attorney generals have taken the lead, those of Arizona and Nebraska in writing to Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, who, and here's the core of the debate, is he the number one globalist or does he stand to lose out the most? There's a lot of debate over that. They have written to Fink very stiffly on the 4th of August, just uh, yesterday, uh, or the day before, uh, yesterday, sorry, uh, to say that their state citizens, because there are states' rights, look at uh, Amendment 10 to the US Constitution, are losing out in their pensions because of BlackRock policy. And this is a legal matter. It's no longer just a political or an economic matter. So if we tap that again, we will see that what they are um, doing, uh, I'll need you to advance the slide, there we are, is that BlackRock is, uh, in the view of 19 states' attorney generals, so the top legal officers of these states, appears to be using the hard-earned money of their state's citizens to circumvent the best possible return on investment. And if people will find people will find this by going to the show notes and a few hours after upload, they should find with a timestamp uh, underneath the upload on ukcolumn.org, uh, a link to this PDF letter. Uh, but they're very thorough. They say that fiduciary duty has not been proved if BlackRock says um, we must invent, invest in these environmental and social bonds, these ESGs. This is a national security matter. And these 19 states, Arizona, Alaska, uh, Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia. Some of them who signed this through their attorneys general are well-known sticklers for states' rights uh, tradition, in traditional parts of the country like the Southeast who've stood up for it. Others are not. So I will pass this back to Mark for a very brief comment in a moment. But I, I find this a very interesting sign that there is a, a legal duty incumbent upon the states through their elected law officers uh, to make sure that BlackRock cannot just say, face it, guys, it's a fait accompli. We are ramming through a completely new financial system of the kind described by Ian Davis in the many articles he's written for us. This is actually a matter of national security. Wow. So, Mark, I don't know what you have to say. That's very interesting. You know, that that's sort of a corollary of the article I just posted, the second Red Pill Expo article I just posted where Dr. David Martin, and I'll talk about this a little more later, uh, talked about BlackRock and the leverage they have uh, using uh, pension funds and reinsurers and banks and insurance companies. And this dovetails into that, and this is very fascinating. I'm gonna look into this and write about it. Very interesting. I know that not all our viewers follow constitutional matters very closely, but the key point, and it was on the last slide that we showed there in the middle of the extract, if people want to go back and look when they freeze the screen, is that actually treaties are 
despite what many people claim, they're more honoured by the US Constitution than by many other countries. That is precisely why there is such a high bar to ratifying treaties in the United States, because it's one of the few written constitutions that says in terms that duly ratified constitu uh, uh, treaties with a two-thirds majority in the Senate uh, trump everything, all domestic statutes. Therefore, um, you can't just say in the, the United States less than anywhere else, look, we have these vague obligations and we're going to call them treaty obligations. No, because that, the Americans take that very seriously. As usual, we would point people towards the series, A Dissident's Guide to the Constitution, available from the homepage, ukcolumn.org. But on to what's happening in uh, Europe. The Irish Times in the middle of last month reported that there is already a plan in the Irish Republic for winter fuel rationing. And the first extract shown on screen shows that the priority people who will be given perhaps exclusive access to the fuel pumps for the winter will be the expected people, the police, Gardaí, as they're called in the Irish Republic, the defence forces, the emergency services of various kinds. But if we hit that again, we will see the uh, perhaps not unexpected, but rather dismaying extra list of essential workers, port workers, aviation workers, public transport workers, so far so uncontentious, teachers and childminders, we can't run the country without the state nannies, postal services, food production, I think you will find it's only state approved food production, journalists, they have priority at the fuel pumps when there's Irish people and across Europe it'll be the same fighting for access to fuel. No journalists, but I suspect it won't be the likes of UK Column even if they do have a press card. Financial services, absolutely key that they must drive around the country when others cannot, etc. And of course, funeral services, because lots of deaths are expected. Now, this is happening in many other European countries that we don't have time to cover. Finland comes to mind, but we are going to zoom in on one other country in the EU. Uh, the Spanish government, because it's a monarchy within the continental legal system, has used the route of a royal decree, whose original Spanish is on screen for those who wish to find it, 14, 2022, at the 1st of August, which has promulgated that with just a week's notice for businesses, because it takes effect on the 9th, there's going to be these emergency uh, energy saving measures. And in Title V of that decree, Chapter 1 of that, Article 29, we see this, that the uh, air regulation, both air conditioning to cool and heating to warm, because both are expected, this runs from early August right through to November, in the designated uh, properties, which could be domestic or businesses, you mustn't cool to lower than 27 degrees Celsius, I don't have the Fahrenheit off the top of my head for US viewers, but uh, a pretty uh, uncomfortable high temperature. And you mustn't heat to higher uh, than 19 uh, if it's a cold spell, and you must keep the humidity between 30 and 70%. And the really ridiculous thing, which is coming on the bottom of the screen now, is that shop window displays and government offices after hours, and here's the stupidity, you'll see it in the, the penultimate line here, have been told they mustn't light their buildings uh, desde las 22 horas, after 10 p.m. No morning time of expiry is given. This is unenforceable. So right up to the king, who obviously just signed this as a, as a, uh, as a formality, nobody has thought about the illogicality of this because any time, including 9.59 p.m., can be said to be after 10 p.m. because there's no cutoff time in the morning. And among many Spanish uh, outlets that have covered this, people can find this and run it through a translation machine if they want. Uh, they will see what's on screen at the moment, uh, the, the, the reports from Autonomos y Entrededor, which is for um, uh, small and medium-sized businesses, as far as I know, and they are uh, reporting how the people are going to be affected by this sudden government decree. Uh, it's not looking hopeful at all for uh, European small businesses because the knee-jerk tendency now is just to legislate without think giving a second thought, quite literally, because they haven't even given a morning time when you can start lighting your shop or office again. Uh, thank, thank you very much for that, Alex. But I don't know whether you've got any comment on that very briefly, David. It's well, just the, the, the strange creeping um, definition of essential services of um, and they're trying to they're trying to uh, cope with the reality, which is everyone is essential right? in everyone's personal economy. They are essential. So it's a it's a flawed concept, uh, but they're trying to use it to manipulate the society and control um, access to, uh, to, to you know, fuel, to transport, to travel. It's deeply totalitarian and very worrying. Uh, but also it's not well put together. So uh, we're seeing policy, which in many ways doesn't make sense. Yes, very incoherent. Okay, well, where is all this coming from? I think you might suggest, Mark, that we should be looking at uh, the Great Reset and you've got another American Free Press article here, Understanding the Great Reset, 
just give us a very short summary. Yeah, you might recall uh, when you showed the intentional invasion border crisis clip, it showed an image of Klaus Schwab. Well, Professor Mike Rechtenwald, a dissident professor uh, who's quoted in this story, and he's mentioned also in my longer piece that's now on the UK Column website as part of a multi-subject piece, um, he is saying that LGBTQ um, and the um, the uh, degradation of our education system and a whole range of things are part of the Great Reset. I think a lot of people thought the Great Reset was largely about uh, just the sustainable development goals of the UN, as broad as though as broad though though they are. Excuse me, and they are about those SDGs. But what Rechtenwall is saying uh, on online interviews on his own website, uh, speeches he's given, articles he's written. He's saying the Great Reset covers many more bases than we realize, the social, the educational, um, and even the border issues. So that might uh, dovetail into what Nigel Farage was saying uh, right after you showed the clip of the intentional invasion, you know, the illegal immigration here as well as the UK. So that really is what the article is mainly about. It also talks about that before event 201, that uh, rather bellwether event in October 2019 that was immediately before the so-called pandemic, there were other tabletop exercises to practice uh, pandemics, and one was called Glade X. And there were even some before that. So event 201 was not the only tabletop exercise where they had a drill to practice, to practice responding to these uh, so-called pandemics. Uh, that would be the best way of uh, summarizing that article. Okay, Mark, thank you very much. And we will say to our audience and our listeners, uh, this is the geopolitical agenda, the Great Reset, amongst other things, which people have got to understand because that policy drives national politicians. But of course, if you stand up and start to criticize what's happening and you speak out, you're in for trouble. Uh, we just mentioned we are fair cop. Uh, Twitter page the other day, which has got some very, uh, very good information uh, looking at what's happening in the law with the police and with other professionals. But we wanted to show you just this little clip which they had up on their Twitter stream, uh, which is of uh, somebody being arrested uh, as a result of uh, making a tweet. No. Hampshire yeah, police yeah, would realise how ridiculous this is. What did it need to come to? What escalated it to this level? Because I don't understand. I posted something that he posted. You come to arrest me, you don't arrest him. Why has it come to this? Why am I in cuffs? Because of something he shared, then I shared. Because someone has been caused, obviously, anxiety based upon your social media page. So there we are. Somebody, 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 somebody has been caused anxiety. Right, and this is this is the way that this law is being rolled out. You you say something, anybody, anywhere that you don't know, that you don't interact with, who feels some degree of um, of disquiet, can make a report, and the police will swing into action. Several years ago, this was mocked. There used to be there used to be memes going around where Scottish cop Taggart, whose 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 yes. line was "There's been a murder," right, was saying "There's been a tweet," okay, and it was mocking the the police reaction to trivia, but no one's mocking anymore because people are being arrested. Indeed, right. So we draw viewers and uh, listeners' attention to the UK Column website. Really excellent article here. Uh, about brainwashing of a world, part one, the biosecurity state. Uh, this is by Dr. Bruce Scott, but a really, really excellent article warning all of us to pay attention to what is clearly uh, malicious political use of brainwashing. And of course, we're talking about the United Kingdom in 2022. Now, um, Alex, bring you back on because part of the madness is uh, what's happening with our children, the brainwashing of our children through drag queen acts. What, what have you got to tell us? 
both in the United States and Britain this summer, Brian, um, as people will be well aware, there is a coordinated campaign of having drag queens reading to children, both in libraries and in the warmer parts of the US outdoors. People will have seen various footages of these events being disrupted by lawful protesters. Uh, in Britain, this takes the form of a tour of libraries by drag queens, which Katie Jo Murphin has uh, previously reported on for us. We're about to see footage uh, from the southwestern tip of England, Cornwall, where the town of Bodmin was the latest uh, to have its library play host to a drag act yesterday with, as has become standard all summer, police protection to keep the drag queens from undergoing citizen's arrest by protesters. Most of the most organized group against that, I simply mentioned because it's a fact, is the independent nationalist network. So without endorsing or condemning them, I'll just say that the INN telegram page is the best way to find out what's going on keep the protests lawful, obviously. Uh, but you will see here, not affiliated with INN, but just, just a local Cornish man who attempted to turn up and film what was going on yesterday at Bodmin Public, Public Library. And he found a gentleman of foreign extraction in a part of the country where there are virtually no foreigners acting as nightclub bouncer in broad daylight. So watch this clip. Morning. You all right? Where are you going? Where are you going? We're going to the library. Oh, yeah, I see it. You got kids or what? No. Why are you? Huh? Why are you going to the library? Well, I've just come to see what's going on. Come to meet with some friends. Is that a problem? Is it a public, um, public I library? I wasn't. I. Strictly invitation. Invitation to go into the library? To go into the library today because there's an event and oh, we're expecting protesters. Oh, wow. Oh, to right. one of the protesters, I don't know you. You have to show something that would. Something that will drive you to go inside that today, all right? Okay, well, yeah, I won't go inside if we're not yeah, so to go inside. For my, according to me, yeah. I don't know you well. Okay, I don't know who you are either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, security, right? Do you work for the council? I work for security for the council. Oh, okay, right? okay, so, well, not here to cause any problems, so I'm we're going to so, get on all right, I'm aren't not, we? I'm going to get on all right, so I'm just, don't get me wrong. Yeah. So, I don't, I, I don't know who you are, that's all. If okay, I, well, Just show me, you can show me some. You can show me anything. I don't have anything. I don't. Got affiliation with the council or something like that. I know you to park that girl, right? Well, I'm not affiliated with the council. Yeah. I'm just a member of the public. Yeah. So, not today is out of bounds. Sorry, because of what's happened. Okay. Why is it out of bounds? Because there's an event and we are expecting protesters. Oh, really? What's the event? Drag queen and a lot of people are against drag queens. And, drag queens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what in the library? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Wow. So, that's it. and for, I, I can't. Drag queens in the library? Yeah, sorry. Wow. I can't just allow anybody to go in today. Just uh, okay, well, I won't go in, but oh, can sorry, I just hang around and see what's happening? Is it right to park? Yeah. I'm not going to cause any trouble. Is it right to park? I just want to see what's happening. You can't park, sorry. You have to just go. Sorry. I can't park? You can't park today, unless you show me something that will allow you to go in. You can show me something that allows you to go in. But it's a public, public car park, isn't it, for the council? Yeah, visitor's car park, all right? But yeah. you got to you got to show me something because of today's a special day. Yeah. You understand? Okay. Today's a special day, and for that reason, I can't allow it. Can't allow me to park. I, for, that, for that reason, I can't allow you to park because I don't know who you are today. And you might be one of the protesters. Okay. So I'm very sorry. If you can report me to anybody, go and report me. I don't know. Sorry. So what about these other people that were just able to park? I mean. Uh, yeah, because they showed me documents on telephones. Documents. They showed well, me telephone. I never needed to show it. No, no, today is, I told you I repeat right. it. I repeat it, today is a special event. Right, okay. And they've got authorization of funds to yeah. come inside today. Yeah, 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 okay. Just for today. Oh, well, I'm not going to go inside, but can I just can I just park and just see what's happening? Not today. Not today, sorry. Right, okay. Well, I'm very sorry. How do I get out then? Just go out. Very sorry, I'm very sorry for that. Bye bye. What? I hope, hope, I hope you know what you're doing because it just sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? Drag queens in a library. Council, I mean, I'm my kids, job. kids going in there as well, yeah, are they? Yeah, yeah. Kids wow. are going in. Talk wow. to the council. I don't know. No wonder it's being talk protested. To, talk to the, I'm not. I'm not the one saying it. Talk to the council. Talk to the council, please. Okay, buddy. All right. Okay. Complete to the council. Council. I'm doing my job on behalf of the council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah I know. You're just doing your job. I know. All right. So it's up to the public to talk to the council and that it would be Cornwall Council. They have no other name like county. They don't believe in counties anymore. They're just a, a local omnipotent authority. Cornwall Council in Truro. 
obviously keep it lawful and courteous in your communications with them. Uh, local press has covered this too. So on screen now is an image from Cornwall Live. Uh, well, it's a federated national title, but it's it's basically the local paper for Cornwall, uh, showing that the drag queen Ida HD posed with Devon and Cornwall constabulary members at the protest who are joining in, as you'd expect these days, with his slash her uh, drag queen gestures. And uh, the next image is actually from a central London primary school uh, where some quite senior politicians and other figures send their uh, young children. So we'll bring that on screen. From left to right here is the vicar for the Church of England run school. And then a father of one of the, I, don't, I, I think we should say parent of uh, one or more of the, uh, the pupils there who's come in drag. And then looking rather pleased with her managerial self is the headmistress, head teacher at the microphone on the right. And if we hit that again, it's a bit blurry, but you'll see that the school has put up that it's a Christian vision is based on the parable of the sower. I won't read that out, but it's a complete inversion of the evident meaning of Christ's parable of the sower, which turns people into good soil and God into a generous farmer with no distinction and no mention of the seed of the word or anything. We're just all to be good so good soil. Um, to end that segment from me, sexualization goes right through to the other end of childhood at university. So in the Baltic sea town of Greifswald, uh, this German, the German university there, a state university, has put this so-called artwork up by Sophia Schutzer to indoctrinate the students. And it says, my bloodline ends with me. And there, masked up, is a young woman angrily stabbing her own bleeding womb and ovaries. Well, uh, now Alex, I've got to the point of just pausing because what do you say? It is obvious that the, the whole of our society is under this massive and very blatant attack. And of course, they want the children because the children are the future. But to see the vicar standing present uh, in that London school, an utter disgrace. And uh, I'll, I'll just... Uh, say that uh, when we had the interview with the sheikh it was very interesting that the sheikh absolutely sees what is happening where is the church of england or the rest of the established church in uk well, where, they, where they are brian is suffering from a complete intellectual and spiritual defeat and that's becoming more and more obvious every day indeed okay well look a very quick little section here on the, uh, the bbc i picked up on this this morning uh, follow through this report. Um, I'm open to be told that I've got this one wrong. Uh, let's see what our audience has to say. So here's the BBC. Uh, LGBT groups demand more action on monkeypox. This is because the LGBT groups now realise they're at greater risk, apparently. Uh, under the picture, it said people queued up to receive monkeypox vaccinations at a pop-up clinic at Guy's Hospital last month. But of course, the photograph is exclusively men. Uh, what was interesting in the article was that it uh, talked about this gentleman, Alex Smith, a civil servant from Manchester, considers himself to be in a high risk category for acquiring monkeypox. Uh, he was apparently vaccinated at, London, at a clinic in London while visiting for the weekend after struggling to get one closer to home for several weeks. Uh, I'm going to say poor Alex. Uh, he said, I was in London for the weekend and found out via Twitter that a clinic in Hammersmith was offering the vaccine. So I called about 20 times and finally got through to someone and got an appointment. Now that I've got my jab, I feel much more reassured. The minute that needle went in, it was like a huge weight being lifted off my mind. That's a powerful statement, David. Uh, that certainly is, yeah. It is. And he says, I'm really fortunate that I was already in London and able to get one. There are lots of people who just aren't in my position, people who either can't afford a train or can't get down there for whatever reason. It makes me quite angry that some people don't seem to be getting an adequate service, uh, people uh, who might be at risk. Uh, well, I've put a question mark in the uh, image on the left-hand side of the screen because the article suddenly got confusing because here was a picture of a very nice young man. And um, if we look at the bottom, we suddenly see that it's got the name Alex Bradbrook there. But of course, the quote is for a gentleman called Alex Smith. So naturally, as a BBC re reader, I was already confused, but I was already a little bit suspicious 
uh, was Alex Bradbook the name of the photographer? Uh, well, I went searching and I think it's not the photographer because here's Alexander Bradbook, who is head of international and trade brackets online harms at the Department for Digital, excuse me, Digital Culture, Media and Sport, Manchester, England. You remember that little tag earlier on? He's from Manchester. He's yes. from Manchester. And he's, a, and he's a civil servant. And he's a civil servant. And if we have a look at his experience, people have to freeze this and look at the text uh, still on screen to see some of the detail or better still go and look at this LinkedIn profile. Uh, we see that this young man has come out of Bristol University. Uh, we're talking about 2014. He no then does another year with the Students' Union, 2015. And suddenly he's advising ministers and international organizations on international terrorism and online harms. I think this is a created article by the BBC. Alex, you're frowning. Uh, I've got an eye on the clock. So very quick comment, please. I think Mike's organogram of the uh, British deep state has to be given yet another lateral arm because I've just seen there that the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office has its own joint international counterterrorism unit as of 2018. And I don't think we've ever heard of that one before. Well, there we are. Some online research by the UK column. Thank you very much for doing that. We're going to stick on the case with that because really this is appalling stuff from the BBC. These are really placed articles in order to get a government opinion across. It's astroturfing. It's fake grassroots. It's pretending to be an ordinary man in the street and it's in fact nothing of the sort. It's a government operative. Indeed. Okay, well, Alex, uh, you're going to give us some mentions of important things happening. I'm going to say, please keep them to a mention so that we can just make up a little bit of time in the news today. Richard D. Hall is known to many viewers, and if he isn't known to you, he should be. He runs a website called richplanet.net, and he is uh, peerless as an independent researcher and documentary maker. And he announces that as of right now, so if you're in South Wales, pop along this afternoon, he is starting a first Friday of each month indoor market stall. Uh, so that's starting this afternoon in Merthyr Tudville. He'll have a selection of books on the stall, including our own Ian Davis's Pseudo Pandemic. Uh, if you want to know what kind of books, they're richplanet.net slash store slash books. And he'll be very glad to give people UK column flyers. We're going to try to get a bunch to him. But if you can do that under your own steam, please do. So he'll be upstairs. The postcode is Cardiff postcode CF478ED if you're navigating. And if you want to know what the market itself is, it's richplanet.net slash market.php. A couple of other quick mentions. Debbie Evans is continuing her series. This will become the uh, image for Debbie Evans's weekly health blog series. It's Asclepius, the ancient Greek patron deity of medicine and there's plenty of stuff in there so do circulate that among all who are interested in health social care mental well-being and the like and continuing our strong showing of scottish writers we have the leader of the scottish family party uh, richard lucas with a piece that's up on the homepage at the moment children's rights a trojan horse if you think that's outrageous in isolation well i think the last segment has proven that we're going somewhere with this question of children's rights and who owns children to be quite blunt about it so do read and circulate this deliberately and necessarily contentious piece i would just impress upon people please tell the public incessantly that uk column has its own website ukcolumn.org very many people aren't aware of that who are who are aware of us so we need continual support from our viewers and readers to tell the public that they can go direct to ukcolumn.org to find this material. And we stay, we stay in Scotland now, Brian, and uh, we stay with children. Uh, we have here a court case that's uh, started in Glasgow, uh, a very concerning case, 11 Scots accused of child sex abuse ring uh, involving witchcraft and, witchcraft and satanic seances. Seven men and four women uh, faced a 14-page indictment listing 43 different charges, and that was he heard in uh, the High Court in Glasgow uh, just a few days ago. Um, the, the Daily Record here uh, reports some of the detail. Uh, they talk about uh, this, this uh, long list of indictments involving witchcraft, serious violence and neglect. Um, uh, they, they talk about rape. They talk about torture and one of the young girls was said to have been shot in a microwave during an attempt to kill her. 
the daily record continues um, with uh, references to satanic seances um, and uh, the killing of animals. Uh, the uh, defendants all listed here deny the charges they faced and prosecutors uh, are also talking about seances uh, to call on spirits and demons um, and the 11 accused wearing cloaks and devil horns and other other satanic apparatus to to terrify the children. So that is what is going through the Scottish courts. The main trial is due uh, in September this year. But of course, the background to this uh, was earlier this year, uh, Nicola Sturgeon apologised to people accused of witchcraft. Uh, she said that the people accused of witchcraft in the 16th to 18th centuries were all innocent, were all wrongly accused, and it was an egregious historic injustice. Now, at the time, this was widely mocked, including this um, spoof advert here, where you killed as a result of accusations of witchcraft between 1400 and 1790. You could be entitled to compensation. Call 0800, meaningless gestures for you. But as we pointed out at the time, uh, this is not all meaningless. We now see the situation where there's a witchcraft-based trial in Glasgow today, now. Uh, that will come before a jury. Will Nicola Sturgeon's blanket statement that all witches are innocent, that it's egregious um, and it's, it's, it's clearly an injustice, will that influence a jury? I, I don't know, but it seems to me that it might. It seems to me that blanket uh, pardons of groups of people without looking at the evidence is not a good way to run a justice system. Um, and that I hope that uh, what will happen in Glasgow will be a rigorous and fair trial. Uh, that's that's the key point. But of course, this stuff does go on. The state normally tries to dismiss it because uh, child abuse is uh, a weapon which the state wants for blackmail of people in high places and they're constantly dismissing it. So I think there's a lot more to cover on this. But isn't this another subject which the church should be taking up? Indeed. Uh, we'll leave that for another UK Column News. Well, let's move on and say thank you very much to all our supporters. If you're watching us today and you like what we're doing, uh, the information that we're getting out and you're not already part of the team, uh, then come and take out a membership with UK Column and support us. We'd like to see you. Uh, you can also help by visiting the UK Column shop. Um, T-shirts and the bags have been going exceptionally well, uh, but uh, we can also highlight some key things. What about a badge to advertise UK Column? What Even better, what about a badge and a pen to write those letters to uh, people who need to be held to account? Uh, extra special feeling when you've written it with a UK Column pen. And of course, all of the information we're putting up is to be shared. So please help us by pushing out the information and reports. Uh, we're very happy for you to do this, but we just ask nicely for you to acknowledge the UK column. I also say that we've got a big alternative uh, view event coming up. Uh, this is uh, a live stream, which will be uh, run via the, the UK column studio. That's at nine, starting at 9 a.m. on the 4th of September. And this is so important because uh, very good group of people working extremely hard to help kickstart, to help uh, Ian Crane's Alternative View sessions to come back into being. So this one will be quite short, um, short and sharp, but the idea is to bring the Alternative View community together and uh, hopefully in the future to get back into meeting uh, person to person at a proper hotel venue, which I think would be very important. Uh, I just uh, highlights that uh, if you haven't seen this interview with Professor Norman Fenton, we encourage you to do it because, of course, he is a highly qualified individual challenging the data and statistics that the uh, UK government would have us believe over COVID-19 and vaccine data. And uh, he is clearly not convinced uh, with the accuracy of any of the information being used to push the COVID-19 agenda. And as we've been talking about from the very outset of the, the, the COVID agenda, it's in the statistics, it's in the data that the truth is revealed. Indeed. And uh, we'll also bring this one up on screen, Disturbing Roots of Big Pharma, Social Credit and Great Reset, illuminated in Indiana. Uh, Mark, just over to you for 
just a very brief comment on this one. Yeah, that's Dr. David Martin, uh, one of the more um, profound speakers, you might say, at the recent Red Pill Expo I covered for UK Column, July 9 and 10. And the takeaway on this one is that Big Pharma is the modern version of the drug trade that has created kind of a drugs war and slavery uh, paradigm over the last few centuries. And so Big Pharma that we see today is something that comes out of the opium trade, the opium wars, and many related matters. It's a fascinating read along with a couple other speakers. So I'd recommend that listeners and viewers give it a shot. I totally agree with that. There's a large amount of new material up on the UK Column website, and we encourage people to visit the website. Uh, we know there are many people who watch our, our news broadcasts, and they are not aware there is actually a UK Column website. So if you're a viewer and listener today and you can help spread the word, there is a UK Column website with an increasing amount of excellent material. Um, posted, then uh, please help us to push that out. On now to uh, the recent news on uh, antidepressant medication. So we go here to uh, the, uh, the, the journal Molecular Psychiatry and the paper that was published by Moncrief and Horowitz et al. Uh, the Serotonin Theory of Depression, uh, Systematic Umbrella Review of the Evidence. And this concluded um, the main areas of serotonin research provide no consistent evidence of there being an association between serotonin and depression. No support for the hypothesis that depression is caused by lowered serotonin activity or concentrations, and some evidence uh, that the long-term uh, use of antidepressants reduces serotonin concentration. So this, this made a big impact on the mainstream media it was reported. The Guardian said little evidence. That's not what the report said, Guardian. It said no evidence. The Guardian modified that a little because the Guardian knows best. Little evidence that chemical imbalances cause depression. Um, and in the Guardian article, they go on to talk about, uh, they, they quote uh, the, the lead author, Moncrief, uh, many people take antidepressants because they have been led to believe their depression was biochemical in cause. But this new research suggests this belief is not grounded in evidence. Thousands of people suffer from side effects of antidepressants. We believe this situation has been driven partly by the false belief that depression is due to a chemical imbalance. It's high time to inform the public that this belief is not grounded in science. And this is a pattern we've seen, certainly in the last two to three years, Brian, yeah. in, in public policy and the manipulation of public minds um, based on uh, information that is not not grounded in science or is later proven to be false. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you continue because I think we'll get to the end of this segment, David, because there's so much to talk about okay. here. So uh, this was also reported in uh, the Conversation uh, online online journal, um, and they commented that uh, it, although these uh, drugs came from the 1960s, uh, the serotonin theory of depression started to be widely promoted by the pharma industry in 1990s in association with its efforts to market a new range of antidepressants known as selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs. The idea was endorsed by the official institutions such as the American Psychiatric Association, which still tells the public that, quote, differences in certain chemicals in the brain may contribute to symptoms of depression. I know people in the UK have been specifically told this when they suffer from depression, and it's just not true. Now, it's been realized for quite a while that it's not true. Here we see mental health charity Mind on their website, is depression caused by chemical imbalance? They say, but the evidence for this is very weak. And if changes uh, to brain chemistry occur, we don't know whether these are the result of depression or its cause. So they're saying, no, no, this is, this is not sound science and have been for some time. Um, now, I then found this in the, on the uh, journal, the, the, the British Medical Journal website. And this is quite outstanding because this is a response to an earlier article that's published by the BMJ. Um, and it says antidepressants increase the risk of suicide, violence, and homicide at all ages. And th they go on uh, into some detail here about the, the evidence that shows that's true. Specifically, um, they, they, they say we showed that for the first time, SSRIs, uh, in comparison with a placebo, increase aggression in children, 
and adolescents. This is a very important finding, considering the many school shootings where the killers were on SSRIs. And on the subject of, of um, suicide, uh, they very worryingly quote, and many, uh, this is many psych psychiatric leaders, many say, for example, that antidepressants can be given safely to children, arguing that there were no more suicides in the trials, only suicidal events, as if there was no relation between the two. So this is, this is taking huge risks with people's safety. Um, we've, we've got here actually a very good article from the BBC talking about the paradox of how antidepressants are tested. Right? Now, the, issue, the paradox is that if you have people who are prone to suicidal ideation and you put them on, on antidepressants, they may kill themselves and it might not be ethical to kill people. So they're excluded from the trials. But the, but the paradox is excluding people at risk of suicide from trials of antidepressants mean that potential increases in suicides amongst the vulnerable go undetected by the trials. So the trials are not worth uh, what they're, uh, they're they're not worth the effort. David, remarkable that the BBC can point that out in that article, that analysis. But when it, when it comes to looking at vaccines and vaccine damage, the BBC can't do it. No, no, they're they're, they're posted missing. And finally, just to finish off here, from the Royal Society of Medicine, the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine, uh, on an article first published in October 2016, Precursors to Suicidality and Violence on Antidepressants, a Systematic Review um, of Trials on Healthy Volunteers. And the conclusions, antidepressants double the occurrence of events in adult healthy volunteers that can lead to suicide and violence. So we see there that, that we've got these drugs with a very serious um, uh, indication of, of harm, serious harm, and they're based on science, a scientific theory that's now been demonstrated to be false. And they're still being rolled out in huge numbers in, uh, in the UK. Some 16, 17% of everybody in the UK will be on antidepressants in every given year. Uh, some a third of those will be on antidepressants for the whole of the year. Yeah. So as a nation, we should be looking at what has caused so many people in the nation, adults and children, to become depressed. And I think we could start to pin down some of the issues pretty quickly. I'm going to mention the BBC themselves. Uh, but Mark, if I can come over to you, it is significant, isn't it, that we're seeing these terrible things happening in schools. America has, has taken maybe a brunt of school shootings, uh, but many, many youngsters in American schools and indeed in schools here in the UK are on medication, antidepressant medication, which, which has a price. Yeah, it's a deep spiritual thing too. You know, prayer was removed from schools and Bibles decades ago. And so kids are not really supposed to have any spiritual moorings. And then we create this materialistic society where, you know, that's the only thing that matters is the material world. Therefore, you just monkey with the brain chemistry. Ritalin has been a huge problem uh, throughout the last few years, several years in America, making kids suicidal, making kids violent. And yes, that can and probably has contributed to these reported school shootings, as opaque and mysterious as many of them are in so many ways. And I mentioned earlier the cartels giving kids phone apps, especially in border states, with which to send them money and involve them in trafficking and other events, which could even include involvement in what could become a school shooting. So yeah, our kids are really uh, uh, between a rock and a hard place, the, what you showed earlier about the drag queens, and then we, we hear about satanic um, rituals going on, and really this drag queen thing that kids are being subjected to, that adults are not even allowed to go in and chronicle, is kind of a gateway, in my opinion, to the more satanic things. So, you know, the, the drag queen thing is today, the next, the next thing you know, kids will be involved in, in deeper, more nefarious activities. So our children are our future, and uh, what they're being subjected to is really inexcusable. And we've got to find a better, more humane way. And one of the things I heard just as sort of a takeaway item at the Red Pill Conference was homeschooling has got to become a really important goal for Americans and everyone else to the furthest extent that laws allow. And we need to press for more liberal laws, more looser laws in the UK and, and in Europe and elsewhere to get the, our kids out of the clutches of these social engineers. 
Uh, Mark, thank you very much. I agree with everything you've said there. And of course, parents who are homeschooling are doing a great job, particularly the ones who are spreading the idea to, to families whose children currently go to school. We're right on the stops uh, for time, but uh, we've discussed some pretty dark and heavy things in the UK column news today. And uh, maybe this is why people are so depressed in UK. This is this is the politics, this is social change agenda impacting on people's minds. Have we got something to lighten it up, do you think, well, I think David? I think Alex has got a few slides that might lighten the mood a little. So first of all, we have a US Navy Times report picking up on what happened over the skies of the UK Column's own county of Devon in southwestern England. I can't actually read that headline because we ban uh, foul language on our broadcasts, but uh, British civilian pilots have been asked uh, and they didn't know what they were taking part in until afterwards to trace uh, the uh, regal face of Her Majesty over East Devon, Dartmoor and Huniton and so on um, in a cooperative effort. If you tap that again, you will see that quite a lot of small aircraft were used, six civilian aircraft and 12 crew members from the Light Aircraft Association's uh, local chapter, the Wessex Strut, 365 unique headings. And of course, the American twist on this is over there, they mainly have uh, male members being uh, depicted in the skies by military pilots. And it struck the American reporter here, Jeff Zizulevich, that this was a better use of uh, um, uh, aerial painting, shall we see, shall we say. Uh, quickly on to uh, a mention of uh, something which is on PubMed, the uh, world's best known repository of medical uh, papers. And this is actually from 2018, published in January 2019 in the Journal of Bioethics. This isn't fantasy, this is real. Compulsory moral bioenhancement should be covert. And I've put the abstract on screen. So if you were thinking we were going overboard in the last segment, realize that actually this has been talked about since before COVIDianism. Uh, and more generally, I'd say, if you're wondering about this link to Satanism that UK Column makes, and if you're thinking we're going off the deep end there, just consider this. If you or your child is prescribed a drug, is it going to dull the voice of conscience or not? And if it does dull the voice of conscience, are the Satanists going to welcome that or not? Quickly on to board games of the 1980s, repurposed for today. I don't know whether the States had this as well, but in growing up in Britain in that era, I remember the original game here, Guess Who, where you would try to uh, flip your uh, characters uh, over by asking your opponent uh, about the characters. So this version is called the world's hardest game, Oppress Who? Because in the original Guess Who, you had to ask whether the opponent's character was a boy or a girl. So here we're told in this version, not sure. And David will recognize a couple of the characters on screen there. There's the non-playing character. There's Trigglypuff. Uh, there's Trump Tantrum Girl. Um, there's uh, Mask Wearer and quite a few others from the mid-2010s onwards who had their 15, 15 minutes or 15 seconds of fame on their social media. There we are. The Batman slapping Robin meme uh, continues to deliver the goods. So uh, last month during Pride Month in June, uh, Robin was saying, I support Ukraine and was being slapped by uh, Batman saying, we're gay this month, but of course we're now on to August. So Bat Robin is saying, Slava Ukraine. And before he can get the last syllable out, Batman slaps him and reproaches him with, it's free Taiwan season. Onto a meme of the Grim Reaper, who's done his uh, sanguinary work in two uh, rooms with the doors open and a trail of blood uh, trickling off his, uh, his uh, scythe there. The first room he's murdered is the definition of vaccine, and the second is the definition of, of woman. And now we're on to getting on to autumn uh, 2022, and he's knocking ominously on the door of the definition of recession. And uh, penultimate one from me, and the last darker one. This is from 60 years ago on uh, Boxing Day, or uh, for the American viewers, uh, second day of Christmas. Uh, in 1962, R.K. Laxman put this uh, cartoon up. Of course, someone's being carted away by a policeman and uh, the policeman is telling him, of course, you weren't spreading rumors. The charge is you were spreading facts. So this was foreseen even in the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And to pep up the viewers at the end, here is a little owl. I'm sure viewers will collect, correct me if I've got this wrong. I think it's a snowy owl um, popping up its little uh, scared face from a tree trunk. And here's a very UK column message to end the week. Fear not. Okay. And as we so often do, we're going to finish on uh, on one of uh, Bob's cartoons. Uh, so what you see here, the man comes out of the vaccination clinic and clutches his chest in pain and falls to the ground. And in the darkness, he, he hears the word saying, 
go towards the light and he, he flies towards the light and when he gets close enough, uh, he finds the light has a warning triangle and it says, this is misleading. Find out why health officials consider COVID-19 vaccines safe for most people. And uh, the, the, the kicker on this was when Bob uh, put this out on Instagram. Um, the response from Instagram was to slap it with a warning to say, visit the COVID-19 Information Centre for vaccine resources. So uh, I, think, I think Bob rather owned Instagram uh, on that particular occasion. And I thought that was very funny. Yeah, excellent. Well, the good thing is if we're in a really depressing world at the moment, humour, of course, is humour and fresh air, perfect medicine. So excellent. Thank you for that. We're on the Stocks the UK column news today. So I'm going to thank uh, Alex Thompson and Mark Anson, our guests. Uh, we will be back for extra time in just a few, a few minutes. Be patient while we uh, set the studio up for that extra time. And uh, well, incredible times we're in, David. It is uh, extra time. We're going to be talking about Smurfs and uh, many other things. So okay. uh, join us for that. Oh, and there will be some there will be some musical uh, contributions from Brian's dog. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you very much for joining us today. We will be there for extra time very shortly, and uh, we will also be uh, back on on uh, Monday. So thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.